Hey there, demons. It's us, your girls. Welcome to the 32nd Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins. Two goblins that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. And today we're going to circle back. Oh my god. Yeah. You know, I had to go there. <laughs> this you is made eye contact with me, and I'm like, what is she going to say? <laughs> yeah, that, that gross pause and then the eye contact. <laughs> and you're like, I'd rather you slap my mom <laughs> than say circle back. But we're going to talk about psychology and neurodivergent and what does that mean and just things that we find interesting and things we even question coming from a psychology background for many years just because you know there's a book about it doesn't mean you have to agree with it and today we're going to talk all about it (laughs) yeah just kind of a what's been interesting us what has been catching our eye anything that we've learned recently Mm -hmm. all about the delicious world of psychology delicious indeed and it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah a nice little smorgasbord of i think things that are still like even hot topics within the psych community Mm. i guess starting with just before d and i hopped on the call we were talking about this one netflix documentary that's currently airing and i Mm -hmm. think it's uh about a guy named billy milligan who in the 70s uh committed several rapes uh robbery and i i I think there was one or two other things on on the rap sheet, but mm-hmm. what had happened was that it was kind of the first time that multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder, as it is now referred to, mm-hmm. was taken and used as a credible defense. And uh, I, I guess, spoiler alert, he ended up in a psychiatric hospital for well over 10 years, mm-hmm. as opposed to a normal prison environment that uh, people with those kinds of crimes typically go to. But I had a lot of questions coming up and I'm wondering what were your kind of thoughts while watching this documentary? It's a really interesting documentary because like you said, it's the first time that DID at least was specifically used in that kind of court setting. Mm -hmm. And it was also at a time where DID was new still to like the psych world and getting um, a name for it and actually kind of figuring out what that was because it it came out, like, the case came out, what, a couple years after the Sybil case dropped? Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that was the first introduction to psychology of DID. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a very fascinating, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. psychological disorder or what have you coming from someone who doesn't have it personally yeah and i know that there has been a big increase recently of did thanks to social networking apps such as tiktok and whatnot yep Uh uh-huh and talking about it and introducing it like people who have it um, and how they live their lives and what it means to them Mm-hmm. So I am absolutely no expert on it whatsoever. Yeah. But I do, I mean, I do find it interesting. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm also, I find almost anything that has to deal with the brain interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, the brain is a vast and unexplored landscape. And it's a relatively mm. new science, even when you think of like brain surgery, that is such a kind of in infancy 
type of surgery compared to other type of surgeries that were conducted on the body. Oh, yeah. Neuroscience and neurobiology, all of that stuff is still in the baby stages if you want to compare it to other sciences. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I like the fact that you brought up kind of the the presence of certain disorders and, you know, people who are willing to kind of share a day in the life of what Mm -hmm. it is to live with that. But at the same time, I've seen so many instances where you have these kind of clout chasers Mm. who are faking mental illness. And most often I've seen uh, people with a tick disorder. Yeah. And and certainly there have been like, you know, with ADHD or uh, even autism and things like that. And I feel like autism is uh, also such a interesting kind of place to be uh, as far as the community because you know with the dsm-5 autism has now been consolidated right we had the different kind Mm. of categories like asperger's and so forth right and now it's just the umbrella term of autism and uh, because of it being such a literal spectrum right (laughs) uh, you have people of different developmental levels uh Mm -hmm. adaptive abilities right Mm -hmm. so you could have someone who's fully in their 20s but is nonverbal. you know whereas there's people who are already from a young age like very high aptitudes and cognitive and achievement and so forth and things seem uh, quote-unquote quirky Mm -hmm. but because they're kind of doing what they're supposed to and maybe some social things stand out but it isn't until much later in life like girls typically get diagnosed much later in life with autism than boys for instance yeah just in general like i'm really weary (laughs) sometimes of the people that are on these social media sites because some of them is just clearly like faking it yeah and it's also that It's a very fine line to walk when it comes to self-diagnoses. Yes. Oh, gosh, yeah. Because on the one hand, the only person who knows your body as well as you do is you. Mm -hmm. So if something's not right, you're going to know that better and before any doctor on this world is going to be able to tell you. Yeah. But at the same time, you also have to – you need to have the correct diagnosis. So you can know, like – where a pain is or Mm -hmm. what a reaction to something might be or feel like to you. Mm -hmm. But you might not know all of the options that those things could lean to. You don't know if it's autism. You don't know if it's ADHD. You don't know if it's sensory processing disorder. You don't know if it's any of these other things. And there's only so much that you can learn yourself on the internet (laughs) or through social media So it's like, I remember going into psychology in undergrad and my professors saying, do not self-diagnose. Well, of course we all did, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's the fun in not self-diagnosing? Right, like, why why am I taking these classes? What? Um, But I'm kind of glad you also brought up autism because I have been watching another Netflix series called Uh Extraordinary Attorney Woo. It's a Korean drama Mm -hmm. and it is fabulous the main character is Wu Young Woo and she has autism she's on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and but she has graduated top of her class in law school yeah like that's been her hyper fixation is law and whales and it's like super cute but, both excellent choices <laughs> all right and it shows very well how people 
with autism can be treated in our world. And it helps challenge those stereotypes of Mm -hmm. just because you have some kind of disorder, autism Mm -hmm. or not, doesn't mean that you can't do the job. Right, yeah. But it also does a really good job where one of the episodes, one of her clients has autism. Mm -hmm. And that individual is on the, I I don't know how you would call it lower or higher, but basically they were a 20-something-year-old man with the brain activity of a six-year-old. Okay, so I I think typically with that, we just like, some people put severity levels. I just like Mm. to say like requiring more support. Okay, so it it was an individual then that would require much more support than Attorney Wu. Uh Uh-huh. And it was a very interesting episode because she stands up for herself and says, you know, just because I'm autistic doesn't mean that I can connect to every autistic person. Like, yeah, it's a spectrum for a reason. We're not the same person. Mm-hmm. So it's a it was a really good one. It's a very educational in a fun way, I feel like, for people to kind of see autism in a more day to day setting. Yeah, yeah. Do you know if the actress playing this main character also has autism herself? I did look it up. She does not. But they did an interview with the first autistic attorney in Florida, Mm -hmm. in the States. And they said that her acting is spot on. Oh, wow. Okay. Like she does a really, they did a really good job to make it as realistic as possible. Yeah, yeah, because I know sometimes people take things and then just highly exaggerate them, like Rain Man, for instance, or Forrest Mm. Gump. And, you know, most often we hear about, like, whitewashing characters and things like that. But I think you could also do the same thing for people who are neurodivergent, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm glad they consulted with someone at at the very least. But it would be really neat to see, you know, also people with specific um, disorders or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. playing the part of, you know, this actual person as well. Yeah, you hear that a lot where it's like, if you're going to have a character that has these traits, then why not try and find someone who has those traits? Like, seven billion people, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, you have options. But I I don't don't know what the circumstances were behind hiring or whatever. I'm not going to pretend to know, but... They mm-hmm. do a, a good job, and they do it justice. I, I've seen, at least, from the yeah. articles I've read. Can I just put in a non-sequitur, kind of? that? Absolutely. Do you hear about those things where it's like, we audition thousands of people, and, you know, we could only pick one, of course. There can be only mm-hmm. one, but... It's always, like, the same five people that are most popular in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something I think we brought up in our, our award show episode. Where uh, it's like most likely. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, we, we've scoured the world, and we've looked high and low and near and far and, and in under these back rocks. caves. Yeah. And it's like, and we went with, insert popular <laughs> idol yeah. name here. And it's like, totally. okay, well, fuck you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How stupid do you think I am? Yeah, we went with Marcel the Shell. (laughs) I wish. Like, a very dramatic movie role in Marcel the Shell. But um, (laughs) one thing that I also forgot to mention at the beginning of our conversation was psychology in the courtroom context. I feel, you know, just kind of like even in our 
crime, a true crime episode that we talked about this, uh, mm. but perhaps didn't flesh it out, is the notion of what passes for, you know, within the realm of psychology and psychological practice, and mm-hmm. then what is actually a legal thing. Mm, you know like such as the insanity defense that is a legal thing it's not nothing to do with psychology right i also find it interesting that they often bring in so-called experts you know psychologists psychiatrists who i'm sure are very accomplished people since they're being you know asked to testify but so many times it's people who have nothing to do with the case (laughs) just to kind of give their two cents and i you know while i think an objective opinion is great and you know someone who is an expert in the field I just sometimes question the use of that kind of testimony within the courtroom setting. And how can you really determine if, you know, someone was fully aware of what they were doing at the time of the crime, which is, you know, the whole deal of that insanity defense. Right. And it's one of those things where a lot of psychologists, I feel like this is a very hot topic in the psychology community of, using psychologists in the courtroom because if it's Mm. not your client then how do you know right you need to spend time with a person to fully grasp their situation and understand their thought process or their morals or whatever you need right Mm -hmm. you can't just because otherwise you're stereotyping you're stereotyping cases yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, in my experience, I've most often seen blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And you, ha- there is a whole host of problems that come from that kind of thought process. Mm. And it, it, the insanity plea honestly pisses me off. Same. <laughs> because I stand by that just because you have a disorder does not excuse you from bad behavior. There you go. Yep. I... So even in the Milligan case, I don't believe he should have been released out into the public ever. Mm. Mm -hmm. Even if they could 100% prove, and there's your also touchy subject with psychology, that they do have DID and that it was these other personalities that did these horrific acts, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. Like, if that's the case, then that personality is housed in that body, and that body is the one that's going to have to serve time. Right. Right. And if it is the the fact that you have to then be in a specialized institution instead of jail, because I also don't believe that someone with a mental disorder, like a severe mental disorder, and that's Mm -hmm. why something happened, you know, a meltdown, a panic attack, what have you, leads to something tragic happening, Mm -hmm. especially like with schizophrenia, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, and then you try to protect yourself, and it's like an actual person. Yeah. I don't believe that you deserve to, like, be behind bars, but you do need help. Right, right. So it's yeah. like it's like a capital punishment versus helping somebody, like you said, with the – what did what did you just say? The help needs more help or needs more support. Oh, That's the word you were saying. Oh, more support. Yeah. 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 So Most it's certainly. like it, you still – someone inside of you did these horrific acts, and so yeah. you – I don't think you should be released back into the public mm-hmm. because that person could then do those horrific acts again. Right. Yeah. And especially the nature of his crimes, because within a 12 day span, it was four rapes in the Milligan case, which mm-hmm. I mean, is just nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, gradu- most often, you know, in like 
serial whatever uh, criminals, uh, the pattern is that, you know, isolated incidents with then increasing kind of uh, lesser duration between crimes, I suppose, as they gain mm. like confidence and things like that, unless they're right. like more of a spree or thrill kill kind of killer. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I just find it kind of appalling because yeah, this is an individual who is certainly dangerous to society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, and, you know, how do you begin to treat things like DID or even things like schizophrenia as such a kind of multifaceted illness? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard so many theories about what is schizophrenia? The big million dollar question, you know, yeah. is it a series of different uh, mental disorders lumped together? Is it its own kind of this big overarching thing? And then what kind of treatment do you go about with that? Because, you know, especially if you have DID and if, if allegedly, you know, the in the case of Billy Milligan, these uh, personalities or alters, however you want to call them, were not, were unaware of one another. Uh-huh. What if uh, one day it's Billy and he's taken his medication as prescribed, but then transitions to another personality or alter mm-hmm. and they just don't do it? So again, you know, and especially does one know when they're going to go through this change and for how long? Right. I I just have so many questions and I'm curious for the listenership if anyone, you know, is going through something similar or knows someone that has because I'm, I'm assuming it's it's still quite a rare thing. I... I feel Maybe. like the word rare is a little difficult because mm, even yeah. 1% of the population is thousands of people, right? Yeah, uh, any whole number is already a big number statistically. <laughs> right. So I think uh, like there are a couple that I have seen do interviews recently, you know, on the mm-hmm. internet. And from the few that I have listened to, and again, this is my uneducated, what I have seen, people with DID tend to have some kind of awareness at least of coming in and out of existence. Mm, mm-hmm. And like how in the Billy Milligan case, you know, they said he would just go to sleep and wake up later. And they said that they'd had the original Billy asleep for like five years or something. And so it's like the ones that I have watched do interviews explain that they can feel Basically, they can feel that their world is starting to shift. They can feel themselves start to dissociate, which I I can kind of understand that of like, because people do dissociate. Yes. Like, yeah, it goes without saying. Right. For example, you know, when you're driving in the car and you blink in your home and you're like, how the fuck did I just get home? You dissociated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have a whole separate personality, though, that's only there for driving. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like being on autopilot versus. Right. Something else. It, there's a there's a saying that I read once. Um, someone called it feeling untethered. Ah. Which yeah. I feel like I can relate to a lot of just feeling like you have the feeling. This is an anxiety trait, too, of mm-hmm. you, you're you outside your body, basically. You have an out-of-body experience, almost, or at least the world around you doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. And so the interviews that I have watched with people who have DID have said that they start to have those feelings. They start to have those experiences and they can tell then that they're going to switch soon, basically. Um, But I cannot go any further than that. Like that's all I can, (laughs) that's as much as I can speak on this topic. Yeah. I mean, same here. I'm uh, 
a self-professed uh, dumbass with DID, <laughs> uh, with lack of knowledge on DID. Not someone. I, I do not have um, DID. Um, I do not know anyone who has you know this diagnosis. But mm-hmm. I'm curious about it, and I would like to learn more about it because mm-hmm. I, I feel like it is one of those kind of big conundrums in the area of psychology. Yeah, especially when you have people that to this day don't believe it's a it's a disorder. Right, right. And not just your average everyday person, but like people in the field do not believe this is a disorder and that becomes a problem. Yeah, I I think and we touched upon this before in previous episodes with the DSM and kind of how relative it is and at times really like arbitrary (laughs) you know where it started off as this thin thin little booklet and then has grown into this behemoth of a you know book about what constitutes mental disorder and like what's kind of the social and cultural nuance behind it as well yeah and especially like you can't take the dsm as the bible right because the yeah. DSM-3 still had homosexuality as a disorder. Yeah. And the DSM-4 still had asexuality as a disorder. Like, mm-hmm. and literally most of the disorders that are in the DSM, their caveat is, does this affect your patient? Like, mm-hmm. do they say that this affects them negatively on a daily basis? So they could even have all the symptoms, mm-hmm. but... Like, that's how it, there was a caveat for asexuality of it. It's like, yeah, you can have low libido or low drive and not find people attractive. But if it doesn't bother you, then you don't have to be diagnosed. Yeah, what do you mean you don't want to bone someone? <laughs> yeah, it sounds sticky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how you just went, yeah. <laughs> well, I just find it crazy. It's kind of like... Maybe you've read about these cases um, where, like, let's say uh, someone from the LGBTQ community is told, well, oh, you just haven't had the right dick yet or something yeah. like that. You know, it's just something beyond offensive. But it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. That's, that's like a whole other topic. But yeah, it's it, the same energy, the same energy. And so you can't take the DSM as gospel. You just can't. You have to. Yeah. That's what I we, we've talked about before. It's like language in humans is constantly evolving, right? Yeah. We are constantly mm-hmm. evolving as a species in society with language, with learning things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we can't pigeonhole specific disorders. Yeah. Because like how we were talking about earlier, I've been reading the divergent mind um, mm-hmm. thriving in a world that, that wasn't designed for you. And it's been really eye-opening and really interesting because the approach that they take is that women have been left out of a lot of psychological studies. Mm-hmm. And psychology itself wasn't really taken seriously until pharmaceuticals were added. A lot of psychological treatments were talk therapy or... Mm-hmm. Um, like like when an addict goes away on vacation kind of thing and like goes to a like a resort almost where they can de detox and decompress and like come back to society right typically rich people yeah. can do that but that's mm-hmm. what they would do for for psychology of if you had if you weren't able to function 
the same as other people mm-hmm. in society, you would go off to these areas that were well-kept, well-tended, and it was mostly talking and trying to figure out ways and adjustments that you can do in your life to then make it easier for you to exist. Yeah. And pharmaceuticals came in and said, or here we can just prescribe you these 20 drugs. It's like, mm, no. Psychiatry is a very slippery slope because even within the community, people are like, I don't believe in mental illness. That is, yeah, yeah. I found it very interesting. I wouldn't say like super perplexed, but interesting more in the sense of it's truly how you approach things. And it's kind of like a mind over matter situation. You know, that sometimes we look for problems or things like that. Right. Um, You know, that the individual is more in control than they believe themselves to be. And it's just merely kind of giving them the means and the tools in which to address these things, but not on a chemical level, that there is no such thing as a chemical imbalance in the brain. But don't we have studies that show chemical imbalances? Yeah, yeah. But I guess the way in which they would treat it and that, you know, there's no such thing as a mental disorder. I, I have the book list. I will send it your way. Like, it is fascinating stuff. And even, you know, how when you think of asylums, you know, most often it was mm. like, oh, you need this, like, clean, crisp air, lots of sunlight. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that, which I'm sure are great. And uh, the Quakers, fun fact, had a really great approach to, you know, mental health treatment uh-huh. early in the day. But then, you know these institutions became kind of like dumping grounds exactly for um, unwanted people and people that they didn't know how to manage or handle or that, you know, somehow were different or quote unquote hysterical. Oh God. Yeah. Do you remember that time? (laughs) Woman had hysteria. I mean, I wasn't alive. So yeah, they they had that penis envy and all that stuff. Oh my God. And a wandering womb. (laughs) But no, that's, that's wild to me. That's a, a fucking... Okay, so there's the saying, right? Where it's like, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day, you teach a man a fish, they eat for the rest of their life or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a really good spin on that that I've, that I've read, that you can learn to fish a lot easier when you're not starving. Mm. And mm-hmm. so, to me, if there's a fucking chemical imbalance, there is nothing wrong with taking something to help, like, what do I want to say? Regulate yourself. Regulate, thank you. Regulate that imbalance Uh before then taking the steps in your daily life to maybe one day not need that medication, right? Yeah, yeah, like a multifaceted approach to treatment. Right, so, you know, you can't, it frustrates me so much when people tell people with depression, you just need to get out more. They literally don't have the energy to get out of bed. I'm going to throttle you. Like, yeah. So it's it's a lot easier to start taking non-medicated non-medicated steps once you have a stability in your brain. Yes, absolutely. And if medication is needed then to gain stability so that you can get the energy you need to start taking those steps, mm-hmm. then by all fucking means... Right. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be a forever thing if that's what they worry about. You know, for some Mm -hmm. people, it's just enough to get you back on track and on with your life, which is ideally what I think the approach should be, right? That, Mm -hmm. like, let's say if you're in therapy, that at some point you do want to 
terminate and, you know, kind of go on your own and see how it happens. But if you need to return to therapy, by all means, the same thing with medication. But if you do have something serious going on in which you really need that in order to be safe, have, you know, keep others safe, then sure as hell take those meds. Yeah, that's when I when I first got on my medication back in grad school, ever since then, I've had doctors trying to get me off of it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. there is not going to be a point in my life, probably for the next 15 years where something is not going to happen. Like Mm -hmm. with our livelihood, we are moving every few years. Yeah, completely uprooting our lives, resettling somewhere else, like, Mm -hmm. until, you know, my husband retires. And that's, I have, like, I, that's something I'm working on. That's something I've always had to work on and will continue to have to work on is being Mm -hmm. able to take those giant upheavals and not have full meltdowns from them. (laughs) Yeah, gosh. um, I, especially big transitions. Yes, exactly what you're saying. It's good to have a plan in place. And in this case, it's the meds. Yeah. So it's, it's something where I'm probably not going to even try and worry about getting off medication until Mm -hmm. my husband retires from his job and we can find a forever home. Like I'm just, it's not in the cards and I have come to terms with that. That's, and that's okay. And it's like, I want other people to know that if you know your life is going to be crazy Mm -hmm. And this helps you stay calm or at least, like I said, stabilize your mental whatever. Hi, Mm -hmm. Kitty. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, our third co-host just showed up in S's feed. Yeah. They're they're slackers, very inconsistent in job (laughs) attendance. But, like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, again, making sure you're not starving. Yeah, and... I am really grateful that you brought that point up because especially with the lifestyle that you and your husband lead and the, the frequent enough moves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very circumstantial thing. And how is your provider city to city, state to state, you know, country to country supposed to know that background. And that's also kind of one of the qualms I have with, I, I guess you could call it Western medicine mm. in that they don't take the more holistic approach because oftentimes, you know, there are circumstances and events that come together and fuel certain things or add fuel to the fire, at least, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's say if you're in a high stress environment, well, why do you have heart problems? Why uh, do you have like irritable bowel syndrome? Why do you have all these conditions? Well, I live paycheck to paycheck. I am the primary caretaker of my sick parents. Mm-hmm. I have uh, failing health as well. And I have no health insurance. So of course, you know, let's let's put all the pieces together. Because that I think is part of effective treatment planning as well. Right. And I actually, so I've been seeing a therapist now again for the first time since grad school. And mm-hmm. she is a holistic approach person, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good conversation actually just this morning about how serotonin is made in your gut. Mm -hmm. And if you have digestive issues, then it's probably going to lead to feeling bad. And not just because you feel sick, but just because your serotonin levels are dropping because your stomach's upset. Yeah. And like how we've talked before that your gastrointestinal tract is so tied to your anxiety or, depression, what have you, mm-hmm. and how you need to be super aware of what you're putting into your body 
and how that can really help boost your mood. And it's not just a eating healthy, it's eating what your body needs and what your body can handle. Mm -hmm. Like we've also talked about before, the lactose issue that I've had now this last few months has just gotten worse and worse. And so I have to make sure that I'm only having oat milk or some kind of nut milk versus any kind of dairy, because let me tell you, it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And and then I start to spiral because I don't feel good. It's like, it's a You don't start to spiral, your gut starts to spiral. (laughs) Oh, spiral down that toilet, but... But it is, it's, she told me that, you know, the key ingredients are simple, but she said just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, because sometimes it's a lifestyle change. Exactly. Reassessment, yeah. We need, well, and then like some of these things are really hard to come by, like clean water in some places in America is very difficult to come by. Mm -hmm. Um, Making sure you can get sunshine, making sure you can get nutritional food, you know, trying to cut out like all of those processed foods or at least trying to make more foods yourself so you know what's going into them and you can control what goes into them yeah and then movement not even like yeah it -hmm. doesn't even have to be exercise just like if you put on a song in your house and you just stand there and dance like a goddamn moron for a 30 seconds to a few minutes like your body needs the movement your body needs to literally shake those sillies out Yes. Keep it limber, guys. Like, you won't believe even just a few minutes of stretching each day consistently, what a big difference that can make. Because sometimes, if I haven't moved in a while, the cracks, Mm. the pops, happy 4th of July (laughs) in my bones. (laughs) Yeah, it's hammer time, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's, there's a, there's a person I follow on Instagram and her videos are just pure joy. Uh-huh. She's a bigger girl. And she her videos are her dancing, basically, on the back patio. And mm-hmm. it is, it's bad dancing. And it makes me feel so good because that's all it is, is movement. It's just moving your body to uh-huh. a beat. It does not have to look good. It does not have to look perfect. It could just be standing up from your bed, which could be a feat in itself, and then just going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just shaking your arms out and wiggling your legs. Like, that's all you gotta do. Is that your part-time gig? A waving our tube men at a car dealership? <laughs> I, <wanna>, I can't <laughs> wait to hear that back in the audio. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Gorgeous music to my ears. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. And like you said, if you're if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you are the sole provider, if you are in that sandwich sandwich generation where you're taking care of your kids and your parents, like mm-hmm. that is a lot of work. It's a lot to put on somebody. Right, right. Um, so I think like everything in balance, truly. You know, when they say like the middle way in Buddhism, it's a reference to taking the natural way, you know, Mm -hmm. following the cycles, the natural cycles of things. And and truly, it's like with that, too, you know, you could have periods of stagnation or being more slower and things like that. But then there are times when you need that movement, literally, for your own Mm -hmm. well being, just like with what you eat, like you can still have the things that you like that 
Because let's face it, the sweet stuff is the good stuff, y'all. Oh, God, sugar is so good. And that's what my therapist told me this morning. She's like, sugar is so addictive and bad for you. And I'm just sitting there mm-hmm. going, but it's sugar. <laughs> yeah, what did you say? If bad, why taste good? Right, right. Like, you know, life's biggest, like, oxymoron. And and it's so interesting, right? Because when you get that sugar high and then the sugar crash. Oh, God. Just like any other drug, right? You know, like when they say the effects of cocaine, it's going to get you really high up there. Go, go, go. And then, you know. The drop. The drop. <laughs> Let the beat drop. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's a nice thing to strive for. I'm not saying this, like, even in drug use, like, oh, yeah, I only moderate my cocaine use to, like, once a week <laughs> or something like that. That's not what I'm saying, you know, but clearly things with, like, be mindful of what you consume when it comes to food, when it comes to, like, even, I, I would say, like, news. If you're just constantly bogged down mm. by negative things, that's going to affect your well-being, y'all. I... <laughs> I have not kept up with the news in probably three months because I can't. I I just, it's like, there's a period of you want to be updated because you want to know what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. But like, also, fuck all of that noise. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. There, yeah, there's only like one or two things that have been on my radar, like heavy but mm-hmm. besides that, I just, people are like, oh, did you hear about this case or this study? or the, And I'm like, no, I haven't. And I don't want to. I call me a bad person. I have a boundary here. I have a limit and I have already mm. surpassed it for the year. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That to me is a pragmatic approach because like you said, it's a boundary thing, but it's also just because all of it is out there doesn't mean you need to get on that. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people don't realize. You know, it's this uh, cultural FOMO and YOLO. And it's like, I got to know everything at all times. That sounds exhausting. That's why I have a very limited, almost non-existent social media presence. Mm. And I feel so much better for it. And and truly, just because I just don't care. I'm a private person. And most of the time, I just don't care. I'm not that person that's going to hop on your shit and creep <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, I... I still have a lot of social media accounts. I don't use them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't use Facebook barely at all. And I have Instagram. But again, it's like, the fuck am I doing that's cool enough for people to care about anyways? Like, the only presence I feel like I have is this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. (laughs) It's like the one place I can turn to, you know, until our identities, I'm sure, are eventually leaked. I hope they censor, like, they do the voice change or the black bar over our eyes. (laughs) Really fun aside, apparently there was, like, a bird that was at the scene. (gasps) The Dutch police! (laughs) Yes! They they put a little black bar over the bird's eyes. (laughs) And there was, like, a piece of bread or toast next to the bird? Yeah. Yes, oh my god, as soon as you, I said black bar, I thought about the bird. <laughs> I'm so glad, I'm so glad we have one brain cell between us. We really do. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I interrupted, I was like, the Dutch bird! No, you're good, you're good. I just, I I wanted to bring it back a bit on, you know, 
we're here talking about like psychology and how people react and the 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 world affects us. If I could say that sentence, Jesus Christ, did I just have a stroke? <laughs> no, that was good. And I was like, you know what? We should be a case study. Small sample size. Two people. Um, <laughs> but what a study it would be. <laughs> but <laughs> the book the book I was talking about, you know, the term use of divergent and neurodivergent is also relatively new. And, you know, mm-hmm. what that means to people and how you can treat that. And I do air quotes around that. Um, mm-hmm. But something that the book talks about is a highly sensitive person, HSP, which is, it says it's a subset of the population who are high in a personality trait known as sensory processing sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, it increased emotional sensitivity, stronger reactivity to both external and internal stimuli, pain, hunger, light, noise, and this article says, in a complex inner life, as if people in general don't have fucking complex inner lives. Hell yeah. <laughs> but it also talks about sensory processing disorder, which I find really cool as well. Uh, a neurological condition that interferes with the body's ability to receive messages from the senses and convert those messages into appropriate motor and behavioral responses. So sensory processing disorder as an umbrella term would be where you find synesthesia. Ooh, uh-huh. Would Which, you uh, care to tell people what that is? Synesthesia is when sounds or numbers are given like color or auditory representations in your brain, basically. Mm-hmm. So like I, there's another person that's online that has synesthesia and she does art based off of someone's name um, so it's like, this is what I see in my head or feel or whatever. When I hear your name or read your name, this is what it shows itself as. And it's like a bunch of different colors and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But so it's it's basically your senses are crossed. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a really interesting thing of like this HSP, so highly sensitive person, because a lot of the times I, I, I almost feel like our society is getting worse and worse for people who have hsp Mm -hmm. because it's a demand-based society yeah where you gotta take up space you gotta speak your mind gotta let people know you're you're there right while at the same time everyone around you is doing the same yeah so it's like there's all of this information getting thrown at you daily constantly hourly and you have to process it quickly and effectively to yeah. then make it through the day. And God, is it exhausting. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, let's say if you're also an introvert, which HSPs <laughs> are more likely to be, yeah. right? It, Yeah, gosh, I... It's like a Serengeti out there, truly. Like, you know that one scene in Mean Girls? That's what it feels like sometimes, yeah. Because you're like, God, why won't these people shut up and stop being obnoxious? I had to go to Glorious Wally World earlier today. Uh Uh-huh. And there were so many people. I don't know what it was, 
at noon on a Monday that everyone and their goddamn grandmother decided to go to Walmart, but everyone was there. And I just walked in and I went, I just need lemons. I just need lemons. I just need lemons. Like (laughs) the whole time I just kept my head down, basically like, don't touch me. Please don't touch me. Nobody get near me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm convinced Walmart is a portal to another dimension. Ugh, I do not like that dimension. I don't want that dimension. <laughs> but the prices in that dimension sometimes cannot be beat. <laughs> I know, and it hurts. Like, taking the spear out of my chest, like, ugh, I'll go to Walmart, fine. Right. Uh, as an aside, uh-huh. props, because I know we talked about this in the coins episode. Mm-hmm. They have stepped up in their vegan, cruelty-free, and natural products. Especially, like, cosmetics, things like that. Good. Just a fun fact. Yep. And they smell delicious. <laughs> don't eat cosmetics. That's bad for you. I, I have seen, I don't know if you've seen or not, but I have seen an increase of people wearing headphones, like noise-canceling headphones out in public more lately, and it makes my heart happy. I haven't seen that, but it's something that I myself do, actually, at home a lot I, of the time. I love it. I want more of that. I want people to make the world accessible to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when is being in your own head a bad thing? (laughs) Well, (laughs) ruminations, not great, but... (laughs) But again, balance. (laughs) Balance. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Um, Because I think, like, we should be, like, let's say... I get overstimulated very easily, but mm-hmm. I like being in nature because that to me is like a good kind of stimulation. You get like the tactile experience of like, let's say, touching grass or a tree or, <laughs> you know, not like that. <laughs> not trying to get like sexy with it. Um, That's not even where I was going with that. Was it the grass? Yeah. Like doing like, a weed? No, no, no. It's that's a thing online where it's like, go touch grass, you fucking horny jail person oh my god (laughs) like you need to get out of your house and go touch grass that's like a thing what if you're like a vampire or a mole person like i prefer to be then if you're a vampire it literally sucks to suck yeah i'm but i'm like uh uh an adventurous vampire who like loves to put on their hiking boots and just like you know go scampering off and gallivanting in nature but um (laughs) but you know you get also the smells like especially like fall right great example of the smells of fall the Mm. the leaves and things like that you get the crunch of the leaves Mm -hmm. that's really nice to me you know the touch of snowflakes on your face like that little stinging biting kind of sensation so you know there's like a lot of good sensory stuff there that i enjoy Mm. Mm -hmm. whereas like you know wally mart fluorescent lighting that kind you know people screaming people bumping into you like i'm also Mm. a fast walker so when people like take up a whole aisle or suddenly stop and cut my flow (sighs) that just pisses me off so like not only am i overstimulated i'm also mad as hell can we just like people of of the states because we drive on the right hand side Mm-hmm. When you are in an aisle or on a sidewalk or anywhere and there are people coming at you, you go to the right side. Like, stop leaving your cart in the middle of the fucking aisle and then walking down to the other end because that's where your product is. Keep your cart with you and stay to the right. That's like my biggest. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
Um, in the gospel according to Ludacris, move, bitch, get out the way. <laughs> For real, though. Or, like, when they turn their cart and then just block it off completely. Ugh. Now I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Gotta go no. around, like, ugh. Before, before we go further, though, into pet peeves and the absolute horror that is Walmart, um, <laughs> is there anything else, like... To sum up, you'd like to say, or any last piece of psychology news or information you want to give the people, the floor is yours. You know what? No, I, I think it's more of what you had said earlier, that things have changed and will continue to change mm -hmm. in the field. And, you know, how, quote unquote, legitimate we view things relative to other things. Right. And even the brain research, you know, on these things, I'm... I'm interested in will there be biomarkers, how we can more effectively study, like if you have a predisposition, you know, just like they do genetic counseling, like, yeah. will there be something that we could predict uh, serious, you know, uh, mental disorders? And how do you proactively go about that? So I'm, I'm really all for that. Neuroscience is cool. I, I think that stuff would be cool, but also to be taken like, with a with a grain of caution. Of course. Because I know there are people that would then say, I only want like the perfect child, you know? Oh, like if people were to make the designer babies. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it is good to be proactive and to know what's happening. Um, just mm -hmm. like you said, with family history, you should know if there's cancers or alcoholism or any of these things that could affect your child later in life. Yeah. But at the same time, designer babies like there's there's a line somewhere and we have to make yeah. sure we don't cross it yeah and like my point wasn't even about the designer babies although that does freak me out because i know that happens mm -hmm. i know that sometimes people can get too ahead of themselves you know also like well if these kind of people act this way then and if you're showing those signs or you were in that environment then we have to lock you up or something you know and already like you said pigeonhole people just to try to mm -hmm. feel more safe and compartmentalize Mm -hmm. and assume so that's kind of like the only foreseeable dangers right. i can kind of see but yeah don't don't design your kids that's weird <laughs> yeah no i think psychology is starting to turn its head to a more natural outlook mm -hmm. especially with like the books i've been reading and how big pharma is under so much fire as they deserve we're looking at you, Sackler family. Mm. Uh, anyhow, we don't need to talk about demons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that we are finally starting to lean more towards a holistic approach. And I'm looking forward to that. You know, like I said, their medications and neurobalances happen and need sometimes the medical boost to keep that person going. But mm -hmm. I think that looking more towards, like you've said, Eastern medicine and more holistic approaches and figuring out what part of our brain is maybe expressed through different parts of our body mm -hmm. is very important and very cool. And I'm really hoping that that's, that's going to get more attention as the years go on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With that being said, thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, send us to a friend, shout us into the universe that we are cool and worth listening to. 
We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Take care, everyone. <laughs>